Hi, and welcome to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. Swan is the place to go and buy Bitcoin as well as learn about Bitcoin. Swan has a lot of projects coming up that will be released soon. But most importantly, right now, there's the Pacific Bitcoin Conference. That's coming up in November on the 10th and the 11th in LA, California. This is going to be an all-new West Coast event deeply dedicated to Bitcoin and Bitcoiners. So as you can come to expect with Swan, it's Bitcoin only. There'll be a fantastic experience with excellent Bitcoiners there, education, workshops, all kinds of fun. So make sure you've got your tickets. And if you have any family or friends who are new coiners or pre-coiners, and you think they need some exposure to that Bitcoin culture, you know, you'll find it here at Pacific Bitcoin. There's an excellent lineup of speakers. I'll be one of the hosts. You can be sure that if you bring someone to this event, they will come out orange-pilled. So go to pacificbitcoin.com and use the code Lavera to get a discount on your tickets. When it comes to Bitcoin hardware security, my favorite is The Cold Card by CoinKite.com. The Cold Card looks like a little calculator. It is one of the leading Bitcoin hardware devices in the space. It's highly recommended. It comes with all kinds of features, so many features that you might not even ever end up using, but they're there nevertheless. You can use it in single signature. You can put a passphrase on it. You can use Duress pin. You can have a BrickMe pin that bricks the device. You can use Seed XOR. You can use BIP85. And of course, you can use it as part of a multi-signature setup. So this can be handy either for yourself or for your family and friends. So it's useful to have a few extra that you can have on hand to help teach your family and friends how to secure their coins once they're ready to take that step. So if you want to order some for yourself, go to coinkite.com and use the code Lavera to get a discount on your cold cards. Mempool.space is the Bitcoin Explorer built by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. It features real-time transaction tracking and mempool visualization, so you can quickly get the information you need about your Bitcoin transactions. I personally use it just before I'm about to send a Bitcoin transaction. It helps me target the fee, and also you can use it when you need to check if your transaction has gone through. Now, Mempool.space is available over Tor. It's completely open source. You can even run your own. Over 1 million people use Mempool.space every month, the project is operated freely for the benefit of the Bitcoin community without ads or third-party trackers. Go try it out today at mempool.space. So today for episode 408, my guest is Jeff Booth. He rejoins me. He's a tech entrepreneur, author, and Bitcoin advocate. So he rejoins me to chat about his latest article, Finding Signal in a Noisy World, as well as prior biases and experiences with technology disruption, why Bitcoin adoption will be more bottom-up, as well as some of his thoughts in investing in the space with ego death capital. I think the key message is helping people zoom out and see the bigger picture. So on to the show with Jeff. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. So, Jeff, lots going on in the space. We've got plenty to chat about. And I know you did an, uh, a blog post recently, which was excellent, by the way. So, listeners, I'll make sure we uh, have that in the show notes for you. But yeah, Jeff, I guess just high level, what's what's on your mind recently in the world of Bitcoin? I think the thesis is only being more and more confirmed all the time. So regardless of price, what's happening in Bitcoin and the adoption of Bitcoin, and I'm talking not just Bitcoin, Bitcoin the asset, I'm talking Bitcoin the ecosystem, the, the layered technology, what's happening is just unbelievable. And I can't believe I get to play in this space that's emerging like, uh, like this. And going back to my book, everything that's, that I wrote about is playing out at an accelerated play, uh, pace in the world today, and and so so I think 
I'm not surprised by the, by all of the events in the world. Um, I just have a different view. I have a different viewpoint, uh, similar to many of the Bitcoiners, where this moves to and what transitions from one system that cannot functionally work in, in the world to another system that can and works better for humanity. In the world today, it seems there's a lot of confusion. And we see that even in, in the Bitcoin understanding that a lot of people, maybe not people who are really deep into the Bitcoin world, but people who are, let's say, newer to Bitcoin or maybe outside of Bitcoin a little bit. And I think part of that, I think your article is all touched on this as well. So the article is titled Finding Signal in a Noisy World. So I think that was a really interesting one because one of the themes I saw was this idea that people are misunderstanding the value creation delivered to society. So do you want to just explain what are you getting at there? Yeah, so let's let's start at a different place if you don't mind. Sure, sure. Let, um, let's start at when you're in Bitcoin as deep as you are as I am and you understand it at a first principles level and, and why the system is corrupt and, it, and the system is corrupt and it cannot function to where technology is taking us. Uh, your first thing you do is, even though you never understood it when you first looked at Bitcoin, the first thing you do is, is wonder why everybody else can't see it. And you have a bias that they can't see it because they're manipulating, they're hurting people and everything else, because there's no way they can't see something like this. And so I would say that, that there's a whole bunch of people, even in Bitcoin, that would, how can't my parents see this? How can't this person? It's so important. Why can't they see it? And so you, you spend your time with other Bitcoiners and you go deeper and deeper and deeper and you get madder and madder at the system because it's so corrupt and you want to lash out at the, anybody in the system who is adding to that corruption. So both, I totally understand that. I totally understand that. But I, but I live in a world where a whole bunch of my friends are in that existing system and I'm around them all the time and they're still my friends. Um, and a bunch of my friends and some of my friends have been to world economic forum and their belief is they are actually helping. They're there because they think they're going to help. Now I categorically disagree with them, but, but what I'm getting at is they don't see it. They don't see it like I do. And so what some Bitcoiners would look at as those terrible people, I don't look at it as those terrible people. I look at it as some people that just don't, they haven't, they haven't looked down the rabbit hole as far as I have. And as a result, they're living in this world that they can think they can solve it a different way. Um, and I disagree with, it can't be solved a different way. So that's I I I think it can only be solved with Bitcoin. So we have a we have a disagreement on the way it's going to be solved, but they're not bad people. And so with that, that's actually why I wrote that article because what would a world what would a world look like that was driven by technology that was that things should be getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, but you lived in a corrupt system that everything you measured was from that corrupt system. And that must make prices more and more expensive. So what would that world look like? And why would it be so confusing for people within that world? And as they move to fear or protection or, or whatever, thinking that they lived in the same world they grew up in, that the thing, same things, what would they naturally do in something that was so hard to understand, uh, like a protocol level technology like Bitcoin, which is going to form a new peer-to-peer -peer internet for the world? So. Again, what I, what what I see from 
from the space I'm in. And, and this is talking to governments. This is talking to, to really respected individuals that, to, that just aren't there yet. I see just a massive confusion, but the confusion is completely understandable because they live in a paradigm and they're measuring that paradigm from that paradigm. They're measuring the system from the system, thinking that there's a way out from that system. So I understand their confusion. And when it comes to teaching people about Bitcoin, sometimes you come up to people who are just simply not ready to hear that message. And in other cases, there are people who you give them that first pitch and then they're ready. Or in other cases, maybe it's seeing is believing. You show them a lightning transaction. Or in other cases, maybe it's like a longtime friend of yours who, let's say, over time seeing, oh, hey, you're doing really well and you're doing all, you're into all this Bitcoin stuff. Why don't you, why don't you teach me a bit about that? Has, what's been effective in your time uh, in terms of being an advocate and educator of Bitcoin, at least amongst the friends and the people you know? Well, I think one of the things that I wrote about that I wrote about in, in the book was a missing piece for a bunch of Bitcoin people in Bitcoin generally and brought a whole bunch more people uh, on just from a very simple concept. Is techno, does technology produce productivity? And is that productivity deflationary? Really simple concept. The answer is there isn't one person who can argue that that's not true, right? So, so in other words, prices should be coming down in the world. Um, and once, and and we should be gaining time as prices come down. Why isn't that happening? And it forces people to 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 say, wait, why isn't it happening? And, and explore why it isn't happening. And as they explore why that isn't happening, then they have to come up with it should or shouldn't happen. And then why should it or shouldn't uh, ha- happen? But they cannot argue the fact they because it's in, in their face every day. They see it in their face. And so what they, what they end up facing from that, from that first principle question is a conflict in a whole bunch of their understanding of the world and that conflict of, wait, if prices have to go up, who gets to control prices going up, which is when it's against the net free market, when it's, and that, and, and that question that they have to force into, then has them explore, wait, if I live in a democracy, but I don't have a vote in inflation, does my vote count at all? Is a free market, is democracy and, and, and communism the same model under printed money? And so a whole bunch of these ideas that weren't in conflict in their minds before become in conflict just from a simple question, is technology deflationary? And, and it's amazing how many people can say, yep, technology is deflationary, and then go back to the old system. And, and, and I'll tell you, um, one of my friends, and one of the things that uh, he was a contributor to the article only because I couldn't break through to him. I was so frustrated uh, by him that uh, that I couldn't break through to, uh, to him. And, and one of the things I asked him on my deck drinking beers is because he think he he totally believes that institutions and laws protect you. And I said, if that were the case, where money is most broken, you'd have the best laws. Money supersedes laws because the because the the power uh, of money ends up setting the laws, and and so so in those types of things, for in that one specifically, it kind of broke his brain because he wants to believe that because he's 
it, it's worked for him as all all his life. Um, and just asking a different question forced him to uh, to see that. So when you when you ask how do people get there, I think every single person gets there in their own way. And what what is the thing that actually causes that conflict to move from a system? that is so profound in every other decision they make, but they believe in it to a new system or to see hope in a new system. It's different for every single person. Of course. And as you rightly pose that question, is technology deflationary? And of course, I'm with you, but let's say the average person out there, they may be defaulting back to preconceived view or something that they believe. So whether they are from whether they are on the left or the right or a moderate they may, you know, let's say if there's someone from the left, they may say, oh, look, it's those greedy corporations. If it's someone on the right, oh, look, it's those evil immigrants. Or, you know, they, they may have some kind of preconceived idea that they then spit back at you. And I understand as you're part of what you're trying to do. And I think what many Bitcoiners are trying to do is say, look, there's actually a, a, a bigger cause here. There's a bigger answer here. But how do you approach that when you get that kind of, as I'm sure you do, how do you approach that kind of pushback? Yeah. So, so again, that's deflecting the question. I just go back to the question. I just go back to, is technology deflationary? And they have to answer yes. So, so you could say, is it, it's, not, it's not greedy corporations. It's not immigrants. It's not anything else. It's technology, which is unambiguous, right? It's not a person driving that. It's a, it's a process and it's technology. It, it's the things that we come up with in our minds that are better than the old things that get better and better. So it's our innovation, the, our, our ideas that if they meet, if they meet the market and the market decides they're better, we use them. So it's us deciding. And that, that means that unless we do the same mistakes over and over and over again, or build more cost and do and build worse processes that I suspect we wouldn't use, they come back to, okay, I'll grant you technology is deflationary. Okay. Now, but, but now you can't move the ball because what you just, what that question presupposes is, okay, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to move the ball to a different thing. Right. And I just, okay, let's deal with first principles. Is this true? Because if this is true and it's going and, and technology is speeding up because our ideas are speeding up, we're getting, we build on top of other ideas. If that's speed, if that's speeding up in the world, then how does the existing system deal with that? And that's yeah. And, and, and I think it forces it forces them to think about it. To totally. And that's and that's why. So I just keep bringing them back to that that question because what people want to do is deflect the question because it's too hard to deal with. Because if you deal with that question, then it forces there has to be a change in operating systems for our world. There has to be, and, and then it forces the existing system because it's based on credit can't allow a deflationary collapse. So what would you do? How would you change the existing system from the system? You can't. And now it opens up what possible alternatives that are outside of the control of the existing system could change the system and offer hope abundance to society. And then you only come to Bitcoin. And so are you also seeing that people are uncomfortable having to think about some of these ideas because maybe they're, it's like this idea of people are used to thinking in a certain rut, right? You're used to walking in a certain rut and now this Bitcoiner or the person who's advocating Bitcoin or educating about Bitcoin is trying to tell them, hey, 
there's actually maybe you're you've got a prior bias here maybe there's something else you could like genuinely give it the time of day yeah and that's what i I don't want to mention names here but but it's working and it's working at a level that surprises me sometimes because those articles or what ends up happening with me being asked to speak to hedge funds or private equity funds or governments or the level that it's surprising because I'm just some entrepreneur that wrote a book. That's how I think about it, that, that, that cares about kind of the future of humanity, where we go. And, and um, so I don't think about myself as, okay, this person, but when you, he- when you, when you get this feedback and everybody wants to, to talk to you and, and then also a major, major capital provider, major capital provider, um, who has been investing in in all of the nonsense, Ethereum, all of the, those, and pro- made a lot of money there, recently called and said, said, we always knew Bitcoin was it, but we couldn't invest on top of that. There was no, t- the timing was wrong. So we went, invested on things that could make money and we're disappointed with what that looks like. And I've been following your work for a long, long time. And now I can see what you mean with, and maybe that that article was one of those things that broke out. Now that there's a, it's early still with lightning, tarot, everything that's coming, but now there's a time where the there there can be massive wall of money coming into into businesses that are building on top of a, a stable and secure and decentralized foundation, and so so we're early in that process. But what I would say is. Had I not written the article, had I just or not started the VC fund or not been involved in this ecosystem and actually kind of making a different, trying to make a difference in this ecosystem, I would have never got that call. So I wouldn't have seen it. And had I not been involved in this ecosystem and seeing all the incredible entrepreneurs that are building on top of this decentralized, secure foundation, even though it's early, had I not seen uh, all, uh, all of what's coming, I might be way out here as one of my friends might be thinking, oh, this is just a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. And I think another theme that came through from the article to me was this focus, as many Bitcoiners have, on this idea that adoption is going to be bottom up. So what are your views there? Why, why do you think it's going to be more bottom up? Um, all technology is bottom up adoption. Um, or most technology is bottom up adoption, and 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 it's and and whether that re, uh, uh, is is money or technology broadly, uh, what ends up happening is that technology breaks the rules for the existing monopoly, and it breaks the rules and it offers better value to society, and and so the people closest to the monopoly reinforce the monopoly because it doesn't provide better value to them because they get the most access to the existing monopoly. But the value, because it af- offers so much value to people who don't have that access, it moves from the bottom up. And there's simply more people at the bottom than there are at the top. And so once you, once you do that, the technology just uh, the, it's te- technology explodes and the, and the advantage moves to the, to the new. Now, in, and this is a bunch of the premises in my book too, because if you understand how capital moves, if you understand how a free market moves to be able to make more money, the incentives, uh, the natural incentives, then the natural incentives move to where people can make more money. 
and or or and and that moves on top of where people are are transacting and so we're early in that pro we're early in that process within bitcoin but it, so first an example kodak invented the digital camera but their monopoly selling film and selling cameras was hurt by uh, by 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 the invention of the, uh, the the digital camera, and Steve Sasson, who created that, actually went twice to to executives at Kodak, trying to get them to understand that a different change in their business was it was inevitable and it was going to happen anyways. But they blocked access because all of their money was coming from selling selling film, and then there's a whole bunch of people using uh, uh, using that uh, film and taking a very limited amount of pictures and a whole bunch of other people that couldn't even access photos. So it stands to reason now if you have a lower cost technology, a massively lower cost technology that brings abundance, we take trillions of photos today around versus a very small number uh, 20 years ago and they're free. And so so you can ima totally imagine why Apple, other phone companies said, wait, I'm going to just integrate that into my device and offer it for free um, because now it creates a moat around my business because I'm giving people something that they never had before, free, free cameras. And then editing software and everything else, that's also free. It's because, because a lot of this stuff ends up being a line of code and the marginal cost of production falls to zero. Uh, of delivering that. So now you have a competition of phone companies or uh, another uh, company using the exact same technology to be able to monetize their business. So that's, that's in, in film, same thing happened in Blockbuster, same thing happened um, in countless other businesses by, by believing that people wouldn't change their mind to, to the new value. But when that value is, when that value provides more value to society, it moves really quickly. And so what's happening today, today, if you just said, look at Bitcoin as an asset class. So Bitcoin, it's the number one asset class over the last 13 years. Um, so it's provided a lot of value to those people. And, in, and, and then now Bitcoin is lightning network and a payment rail. What you're seeing is, is. Why, why lightning is growing so fast is it's providing massive value. So you have two network effects reinforcing on themselves, providing more and more value, which is driving more and more entrepreneurs into that more and more governments, nations thinking, wow, what's coming is going to be unstoppable and it's going to provide value to, to society. And the monopoly in this case is a monopoly over money. And those closest to the monopoly over money including for, uh, kind of first world nations as a byproduct, they wouldn't, they would be Kodak. They wouldn't see it because it, it, their money hasn't devalued like, like it has in Zimbabwe in, in, um, and, and so in El Salvador and what, what nations that have, are dealing with the, the negative, it, it, what, what's really happening is those nations are the periphery to our core and, and to protect the core, we sacrifice the periphery and sacrificing the periphery means they have nation building 
or puns at dictators or or whatever that you put into to this to uh, to IMF comes in and gives them loans that they, that end up hurting their population to protect the core and then the then the same loan denominated in US dollars then the US tightens US dollars get get more expensive and their population can't pay for that loan and so you you run this over and over and over again this 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 ponzi game around the world and those nations and those citizens in those nations are the unfortunate victim of protecting protecting the core so in other words they're furthest away from the monopoly so what do you think is going to happen when you give that when you give those nations those people in those nations a way to escape the monopoly and as that grows and as uh, 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 it, it it changes everything back to the show in a moment are you interested in bitcoin mining check out brains.com that's b-r-a-i-i-n-s.com now this might be handy for you if you're exploring the idea of going into mining on the insights dashboard which you can find on brains.com they've got a mining profitability calculator so there you can punch in the numbers put in your estimates around things like hash rate and so on and you can come up with a number in terms of how profitable your Bitcoin mining venture may be. Now, Brains also offer Brains OS Plus. This is firmware that you can install on your ASIC. Now, check the website to see which mining models are supported. But if your mining machine is supported, you might be getting something like 20% more efficiency. So you're just leaving sats on the table if you're not using this. Also, remember, the Brains team are driving forward adoption on Stratum V2. So if you use... Brains OS Plus, and you point your hash rate towards Slush Pool, which will soon be Brains Pool, you are supporting Stratum V2, which improves privacy and it reduces the bandwidth loads for miners in remote locations. So that website is brains.com. Do you need an easy way to run a Bitcoin node in the cloud? Voltage can help you here. They can help you whether you need to run a Bitcoin node, a Lightning node, or a BTC Pay Server node. So BTC Pay Server can help you become a merchant. So if you are looking to take payment over the Lightning Network, and do this online, Voltage can make it really quick and simple for you. Now, also, if you're a Bitcoin builder, you need to check out Voltage because they can help you scale nodes instantly by the thousands. They can help you get quality inbound liquidity. So when we're setting up on the Lightning Network, we need to get inbound liquidity and Voltage have a solution for you here. They can make it all really slick and easy for you. Just go and test it out on the website. You can get a node up and running in two minutes by visiting voltage.cloud. Unchained Capital can help you with multi-signature and improving your security standpoint by removing single points of failure. And Unchained is running a Drain the Exchanges promotion for concierge onboarding. So the concierge onboarding program involves some support that where you are assisted in terms of creating your multi-signature vault and withdrawing from the exchange or out of your single signature wallet into a multi-signature vault set up by Unchained. Now, this is available until the 8th of September. So they are taking that $1,000 rebate down and the simple price is $250 and you get a discount off that if you use the code Levera. So this is a great opportunity. It's a time-limited promotion. So make sure you get in take this time now get your coins off the exchange use unchained to help you do this so that website is unchained.com slash concierge and use the code levera to get a discount on your concierge onboarding program and now back to the show yeah i mean as you gave the example with nigeria as i understand they have one of the most high highly adopting in terms of bitcoin population i think it's last i saw the stat it was something like 40 percent of the country has some bitcoin so 
And this is not a small country. We're talking, I think the population is maybe 150 or 200 million, something like that. We're talking massive, a, a big country. And so it's really interesting to see. And, and I think this bottom-up dynamic as well, and it very much, this reminds me of the classic, right? Most people in the business world, they've read the book, The Innovator's Dilemma by, uh, his name, Clay, Clay Christensen, yeah. right? And so it's exactly that. It's exactly this. And so as I recall from that book, it's that certain businesses, whether they are Kodak or Blockbuster, they have this competitive moat in a certain way, and then they see this alternative option that almost cuts against and undermines themselves. And it's just too difficult to disrupt themselves. And now, of course, many business people, I'm sure everyone's been to some kind of business talk or whatever, where they say, yeah, you've got to disrupt yourself. But the reality is, it's it's much easier said than done. You know, And so I think that's probably the, the challenge. I've done that in a number of businesses myself. And I actually failed in one of my businesses because I tried to do to change from from the business that was 375 people to a new business, which was way better from the existing business. And what I didn't realize is we were right in the transition to the new business, but everybody had to go away and they everybody in the team believed we were right, right, as we moved to the new business. But then you had to almost increase your team to be able to build the technology to get to the new business. And then everybody in the business would go back to their desks and work on the old business because what else would they do? And I misunderstood the inertia of a business that a business has because everybody in that business is doing a different job than the new business. So how do you just cut over to the new business? Because the jobs are totally different. So I co-founded a company in Thailand, similarly, and it's the second largest company. It was run by the second largest company in, in Thailand. And I, and I spoke to the board and I said, you can't do the, you can't build what you want to from your existing business, but I'll help you build a new one outside of that with new team and everything else so that you can port the best of this business over to the new once it's, once it's ready. And that's a really successful model. Uh, it, by the way, that's what Steve Jobs always did. It, he put, he put a secret group together that were insulated from the rest of the business that wouldn't get overwhelmed by the existing business. But, but now if you think about the business of money and the business of, of what this looks like, why people are confused is because this very same thing is happening and it's never, it's never happened at money, right? It's never happened at, at decentralized and security together on money. We've never had that. So we had to trust institutions to protect and the rule of law to protect citizens but money supersedes, um, uh, supersedes law. And so we've never had decentralization and security together. So it's, it's bound to be a really big head scratcher for a lot of the population that is, that is si simply living in that world, measuring everything they have from that world. And I think the other aspect of it, as, as we're talking about people who are, let's say, confused, we've got this world where it is quite challenging from a macro perspective, right? Inflation, CPI, to be clear, is rising in a lot of countries and not just in the poorer countries. Even in the in the UK, we had the recent stat, 10.1% in July was the CPI number for the UK. And you would think people should be all running to Bitcoin, uh, but unfortunately, it seems that there's still that barrier for understanding for people because maybe they're seeing Bitcoin, it's like a, it's a gamble or it's, a, you know, it's too far you know, what's your perspective on that? Do you think 
more people should be running to Bitcoin because of these macro conditions we're in? They will, anyways. It's just the timing that they'll get. They'll get it. It's just they'll find it in their own time. Just re- remember, every single economic decision today, the the existing the existing world that you live in is four orders of magnitude bigger than Bitcoin. So, if twelve people decide not to print money for a month or two, then that's going to have a massive impact on every single. Remember, we have a deflationary market. There's no question we have a deflationary market. The only thing that is driving all decisions is when 12 people are going to print. And it just maybe not 12 people because all over the world, there's going to be China just eased as well. But but when central banks are going to ease more. So essentially, the thing that's driving all of your economic value, everything in the world, every decision is really coming down to when people are going to print. Um, and when people are going to destroy the value of your time and money, that's and so, but that you're living in that system. So if you're living in that system and they don't for a while, and you have a rollover and start to get credit uh, a credit collapse, and and joblessness spikes, and just so you so you have layoffs, and then those layoffs trickle into people not being able to pay their mortgages, and then and house prices start falling and then the banks start failing as a result of, of that as that counterparty risk around the world explodes um you could think bitcoin would fall too right because because in that case the 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 only thing of value if you just kept playing that forward the only thing of value would be bitcoin it would price everything Right, it would re, it would reset around Bitcoin in that in in that event, but on the way there, Bitcoin could fall in price a lot, because the entire four orders of magnitude market was was experiencing a, cre- a credit contagion, and so as that's happening, there's going to need to be a staggering amount of liquidity destroying the value of your money into into the system, and what you're seeing today is is you can't print energy. Energy supersedes all of these conversations because if you print it, it just keeps on going uh, up, up higher. So as as that ends up happening, it drives inflation. Right? People can't eat. People can't feed their uh, families. People can't uh, run their businesses because the energy cost is, uh, is too high and they start failing in a different way. And those global supply chains, uh, Germany is going to have to choose, do we heat homes or do we turn off critical supply chains to the world in the winter, this this winter. And so those start to travel around the economy and people get more and more confused because the base level of everything that they're making decisions in is being manipulated. It has mis- it's carrying misinformation and, it's car- and it must create greater and greater misinformation in society. So that's what, so, so will Bitcoin, if that, if you just play that out, Forget CPP, CPI, everything else. Forget it all. We technology is deflationary. Prices should be following. The only reason they're not is because because money is being manipulated. And and if it's not manipulated to a greater extent, an exponential extent, extent you're gonna call, you're gonna have a credit collapse uh, and a reset of a different way, a different means. If it's if it's manipulated through more and more easing, you're gonna have increasing war internal dynamics every nation for myself and this accelerating so it's going to unfortunately get really bad from the existing system 
So what can you do? You can either give that existing system more energy, yell at it, get mad at it, but it's not going to change it. It's a structural <laughs> system and nothing, no person in that existing system can, can solve the inevitability of what's, what's, what's coming. No one. It has to be solved by a new system. And so, so I've decided to do is spend more of my time because it feels better because, because I not only can, can I make a bunch of money, but that's, that's not really why I'm doing it. I don't need more money. It actually just feels a lot better realizing where this is going and trying to build bridge, a bridge to the new system as fast as I can. So more people can walk across the bridge. And, and so when I meet entrepreneurs that are building that new system, wow, is it exciting? And so, but in what I just said, all of the nonsense that we spend our time on, on why won't they see us making it, we're actually making that existing system stronger. It's just a waste, total waste, total waste of your, your time and energy. Spend the time building the future you want to see, spend your intention building the future you want to see. And, um, and you'll be, you'll be surprised at how much actually you have an ability to influence the future you want. I think that's great advice for everyone. And I think what is a common thing we see is this, people have this idea of, oh, if we could only get the right person in charge, then it would be fixed. And (laughs) I think as you, as you rightly say, that's not, that's not going to solve things. The problem we have, the problems we have are fundamentally just structural And of course, there are different ways that people conceive or explain that. Like, let's say a right wing person might say, oh, look, see, it's the swamp. And there's all the, you know, and a person on the left might say something, say in a different way. They may say, oh, look, it's certain corporate, you know, uh, greedy fat cats who are, you know, and fundamentally, it's just a structural issue that is just going to be there no matter which side of the, you know, the aisle you're coming from. There's just structural problems and that there's a need to build something new and something better. And so I think that's that's really where Bitcoin comes in. And of course, I know you're investing in the space. So perhaps you want to tell us a little bit about that. So you've got uh, Ego Death Capital. What's what is it, and uh, you know why why Ego Death Capital? So it came from even the name came from Nico and Andy, who uh, um, who are my partners in in that. And Nico is a longtime friend who who over time wanted to say do something in business with me. And over time came to the conclusion that I had on Bitcoin and maybe, maybe it was me, maybe it was him, it may, whatever. Um, but over time he, he gained conviction and in gaining conviction, he also looked at all the alter, all, alternatives and so did, uh, so did Andy. And so it, when they came to me and said, would you start this fund w- uh, with us? I was in a uh, position where I wanted to spend more of my time in this ecosystem with the builders of this ecosystem, but I, but I didn't have enough bandwidth to do it all. Like, because my, you'd, you'd get a hundred emails a day and you couldn't keep up. You couldn't do service to those. So, so this fund, it gave me a structure where they could carry the load and, and do a bunch of the, a bunch of the work in, in vetting and meeting entrepreneurs and everything else. And I could lean in and help where I, uh, where I could. And so, so it solved, it solved a whole bunch of, and opportunities for me where I get to, I get to spend my time with really, really great entrepreneurs building this ecosystem and, and, and work with just incredible people and Nico and Andy to be able to help 
highlight which ones I should spend more time with and which ones, I, uh, uh, which ones we should, uh, we should invest in. So it's been, um, and it's, I, I'll, I'll tell you, um, we've only announced our first lead investment, which was Fetty. Um, uh, and, and Obi's just, just a star. Um, and, and I think, and I think a lot about what that technology can do, but, but we had three other terms or two other term sheets firm that are, that are, we haven't announced yet. And some of what's happening in this space and, and then a bunch of others in, in behind there, we've seen 260 companies and some of the innovation and what's happening in this space and what's going to happen on layer two and three and everything else uh, that's, that's coming is just like, wow. I can't believe I get. I can't believe I get to do it. It goes back to that. It goes back to this thing I said before. Spend your time building the world you want to see, rather than complaining about the world you see, and you'll be amazed at what ends up happening. And when it comes to investing in the Bitcoin ecosystem, are there any particular priorities you have? So, for example, self custody, privacy, scaling, financial products. What kinds of what kinds of things are interesting for you? In terms of investing in Bitcoin companies, so one of the things that I that I like, so let's use Fetty as an example. That's a commercial entity on top of Fediment, and Fediment is open source technology that anybody could build on and create a better application than Fetty. So the same kind of technology underpinnings, which what which what that means is, it's going to be decentralized by nature, and a whole bunch of if you look at Lightning. There's a whole bunch of instances of lightning that are decentralized uh, uh, by, uh, by nature, and then companies forming to say, "My value is better on top on on top of this." And the only way they can win is if they provide more long-term value to society. So I love the I love the approach. You have a decentralized, secure protocol layer that the next layers must interact with that layer. And the next layers on top that interact. So you have protocol des- design that keeps this thing decentralized and and secure forever. And then you have company formation that can only work if it delivers value to society. And I, I suspect that the value to society is going to be overwhelming. And that, that's what we're that's what we're investing in. We're investing in people that are, and and so all of the above that you just said we're looking at. How do you how do you make on wraps uh, easier? How do you make custody better? How do you make non custodial wallets in, uh, integrate better so that it preserves the decentralization and security, and delivers value on top of that uh, uh, to society? And there's there's just a, a million use cases, and more and more coming all the time with things like Tarot and Fediment and so things that that we don't even know even what I'm talking about. We don't even know how. Lightning, Tarot, Fediment, or that will come together and form a different use case that I can't even predict right right now. But I know they're coming, similar to what happened with with essentially TCP/IP, the foundation layer of the internet, and HTTP or HTTPS um, la- uh, later on, which was a layer four solution that built the World Wide Web. But just you wouldn't know you wouldn't know if you were talking about TCP/IP in the late 1960s when DARPA created it, that HTTPS would connect all of those websites and form the worldwide uh, web because you weren't looking at it in layers. 
And I think that's really the importance of thinking about this scaling in layers approach that I think the Bitcoin community, at least today, understands that quite well. Of course, in the fork wars of 2015, 16, 17, that was, that was part of the fight inside the Bitcoin community. And I think, obviously, leaders in the space, people like Greg Maxwell and others who wrote some of those seminal posts about this idea. And I think he's got this famous one of like a rocket ship going, you know, you're going on a rocket ship to space and you're doing it in layers. And as as the rocket goes up, there are layers that are peeling off and so on. And so that was like a seminal post for a lot of people who maybe were not so tech savvy. Maybe they were into Bitcoin, but they hadn't quite grasped all the different technical components of it, or maybe they didn't quite analogize with the internet in the same way this idea of layered scaling and so i think it's fascinating to see i think the other aspect is perhaps in some ways we're impatient people are expecting <laughs> lightning to be built today you know you know what i mean like so it's kind of like lightning the white paper came out in I, someone correct me if i'm wrong but i think it was around 2015 or 16 but the actual lightning network didn't come out into the wild until i believe it was like late 17 or early 2018 and so basically it was required you know it was basically it was mostly reliant on having segwit uh otherwise without having segwit it would have been severely handicapped so we had segwit and then lightning started and i think it's only now like really really starting to hit some stride whereas i think in years gone by i think and even maybe even i was impatient with where things were at i'm, I'm curious do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, uh, sometimes you, you have a vision for the future, but let's say we're impatient. We bias time. So once you're in Bitcoin, you think, okay, why isn't this happening yesterday? Uh, this whole thing should happen uh, yesterday. And you're looking at this entire, you're looking at a transition that's happening from an existing system to a new system. And it takes time. Remember uh, DARPA, 60s, late 60s, <laughs> World Wide Web, call it 89, couldn't launch until 89 because there was no way to interconnect that on uh, uh, on layers. And what would you have said uh, uh, what would you have said in 1990 about the internet? Most yeah. of the value of the internet didn't happen until kind of after 2000. Uh, Google wasn't in invented until 2000. It wasn't it wasn't a company in 99. So it was it, it, um, so and then Facebook was 2008. And so uh, uh, iPhone, which is, uses all of the same tech underlying technology, wasn't until was 2005. So all of these things we take for granted today were built on top of a slowly developing protocol that as it got hardened and stronger and stronger, built all these other use cases. And, and that slowly developing protocol, Bitcoin being decentralized and secure, and the only thing that is decentralized and secure provable if you go through that article and the only thing that can be nothing else can be you can see why it's forming the base layer of the new internet and now governments governments around the world are going to have to choose am i going to shut off the internet and all of the value that comes from it to try to stop bitcoin am i going to give that value and all of the people that are going to build on top of it am i going to stop them from coming to my country and send them to another country where they can build that innovation because I can't, I can't stop it. I can only stop it for my citizens. And so now you're not, you're not dealing with Bitcoin just as money, right? As okay, uh, that, that we need to protect the existing system. You're dealing with it as a protocol layer technology that looks like the internet. And so if you try to stop that, you can see, you can, you can see what's going to happen to your society and your people, the people in your country are just going to have to get poorer. 
as others get get wealthier and the innovation moves to the free market and so that's what that's actually why these these things are way bigger choices today and it's part of the reason i wrote the article because what i realized in government which is just when we say government we think about this big the structure of government, but all it is, is a bunch of people making a bunch of mistakes. And if we see the same mistakes throughout society, then we should expect the government has just as much <laughs> mistake more uh, mistakes. It's just people. Um, so I wanted to give a path to, to what, what this looked like and shutting off the internet would be a really, you could be North Korea and shut off the internet, but what, is, what does that do to your, to your citizens? Of course. And I think something else that is interesting that we've seen, obviously, as I'm sure you've been watching over the last few months in the quote-unquote crypto world over the last few months, we've seen a lot of lenders, operators in the space either go bankrupt, need a bailout, you know, st- stop withdrawals. And in many cases, these were kind of quasi-banks who were offering yield. And it seems there were a lot of entities actually caught up in all of this. Even I, I recall, maybe you correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but I believe there was some Canadian pension entity who had put money into Celsius. And so it was around the world, like all kinds of government entities and pension entities. And you, you were just, you were like surprised when you found out who had put money in with Celsius. And I think it's this part of this whole yield chasing, yield farming. And of course, maybe that's a little bit of a fiat mentality, but I'm, I'm curious on your view on that. Like how... Are you explaining that to your your friends who are pre-coiners, new coiners, people who are maybe still trying to find their feet in this space and understand what's really going on? Where's the signal? Where's the noise? Yeah, and again, why I wrote the article. I, I, I could not believe, even as that whole thing was uh, uh, was was growing, I couldn't believe people get it, were getting caught in it. And when I say I couldn't believe... Um, from a market standpoint, because most people won't do the research, they just trust somebody else. I could believe it, and from a from same way a bank uh, it could uh, it builds builds leverage into a system, a new market participant that builds leverage on top of something that has no counterparty risk and doesn't offer a return. You have to ask where is that return coming from. So the first company comes out and says, I'm going to give 2% return. And maybe they're better traders for a short while than somebody else, right? But to be better traders forever over something at zero, it, it doesn't, nobody wins in the market that, that far. But so again, you have to ask, where does the yield come from? Now, okay, then you'd have to presuppose this company can be better than everybody else, better than the market to be able to give me that yield. And as soon as they do that, let's just imagine a 2% yield. Then, and a bunch of market moves in because they make more money than just leaving Bitcoin parked, a bunch of market moves in. Then another entrepreneur, another company says, I can make 4% yield. I can make, and then somebody says six, then somebody, and the market just chases this Ponzi scheme because they think it has no risk because, but it's just a market function. And, and, and all of these things have massive risk. Now, keep in mind that some of the leverage that took Bitcoin up was the same thing happening, right? So, uh, uh, driving up. And so you have a wall of money coming in saying free returns. And pension funds too, saying, "Wow, this thing's great! I can make free returns." And and and, and again, <laughs> I can't. When when we talk about this, 
and you think other people are smarter than you that just did just did this, realize they're not. Just realize they're not. They do the same thing. Fear and greed um, drives in, and they will in a in a hot market. People pile money in because they think somebody else has done the work, and they and and they and they and and that drives fear and greed in the market. Bitcoin rises as a result of that fear and greed, and then it gets liquidated, and it starts getting liquidated at the twenty percent Luna, and it just falls down the channel. <laughs> And everything gets uh, everything that's liquidated. And what do all those companies have to do? They have to sell Bitcoin on the way down too. And Bitcoin just because it's an open protocol technology, no counterparty risk. It TikTok next block, and it keeps keeps going because the people that aren't pricing Bitcoin from the system, thinking that it's that it's and it's a huge mistake. It's a huge error code in what they're doing. They're thinking I'm getting wealthier in fiat dollars. By, by price in Bitcoin instead of what's actually happening is Bitcoin is going to reprice everything. So, 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 so if that, if what I just said is true and Bitcoin is going to reprice everything as a result of this, why would you ever sell your Bitcoin? Why would you ever lever your Bitcoin to try to get more yield and take that, take that risk? And so when I explain that to, when I explain what I just explained to my friends, light bulbs go on. But before I explain that, they think, oh, Bitcoin just fell. It's, it's just, a, uh, it, it, it's not working. It's, uh, they don't understand kind of the fear and greed that is normal in all of us and normal in markets. And if you had something that could lever to Bitcoin and promise something else, then it would create a natural market cycle that people would abuse. You're right there. And also, at the end of the day, there are just cycles in this thing and in many things. And uh, I, I think for me, having been around since 2013, I just sort of there are times when Bitcoin is the hottest thing in town, and there are times when everyone hates Bitcoin, and or there or maybe even more, there are times when people are just indifferent to Bitcoin. They're just kind of yeah, whatever. It's doing its own little thing, and then eventually the cycle comes back, and then we sort of rinse and repeat. And then in the next bull cycle, people make all the same mistakes, or maybe in a way that rhymes, uh, similar yep. mistakes, and then we sort of rinse and repeat. And we're sort of going to, we're probably going to see a few more of these play out until the the hyper-Bitcoinization moment or the, the fully pricing in sats. But actually look at the long-term trend on holders, like people that have been holding for a long term, right? And what you see through all these cycles is there's more holders. There's more holders. There's more holders that, that realize, huh, everything I just said is true for every cycle. And it keeps on being, uh, and it keeps on happening. And every time that brings on a whole bunch more people who understand why this is why this is critical, and and they hold it through those cycles, and it brings on a whole bunch more people. Remember, the existing market that we live in is way bigger than the tiny market Bitcoin. So it's it has to do that as more as each cycle brings on a whole bunch more people, and those people get and unfortunately that's also why I wrote the article is those people get scammed into a whole bunch of other uh, a whole bunch of other uh, other things it has to and then they come out the other side or a bunch of them come out the other side and say ah I got it it's only bitcoin well there you go I think that's a fantastic spot to finish up there so listeners make sure you follow Jeff on Twitter you can find him at Jeff Booth and I'll link to the article. And Jeff, where can people find uh, Ego Death Capital if they want to find you there? Um, it's just egodeath.capital. 
Fantastic. Well, Jeff, I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you and uh, hope to, well, I'm going to see you next week at BitBlock Boom. So, yeah. Awesome. Look forward to it. I enjoyed the chat with Jeff and I think it was definitely useful to zoom out a little bit amongst all of what's going on in the space. It's important for us to zoom out and remember the big picture that we are educating and advocating for. So if you think this episode is useful, make sure you share it with your family and friends so they can also learn. The website is stefanlevera.com slash 408. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in the Citadels.